Welcome back to Crazy Faith Talk. I'm Sarah. I'm Steve. And I'm Erica. And we are knee-deep in an Advent series in part three of a series where we've been looking at um, different favorite Advent songs and carols. So we're not there yet to sing Christmas carols yet, although we'll get mighty close today. Um, <laughs> but uh, looking at hymns and the songs of the church that celebrate and kind of revel in that, that tension that's the Advent season. So uh, Erica, uh, what can you share with us today? So I like odd hymns. Can I just throw that out there? I, awesome. I like those hymns that nobody else knows. I like those hymns that nobody uh, likes to sing. And, and one of uh, <laughs> my favorite... Like the ad- Island of Misfit Toys of hymns. <laughs> yes. And so one of my favorite Advent hymns, and possibly because in our hymnal, um, the title and um, all the verses are originally written in Spanish, and then obviously the translation into English is there. So it's Total La Tierra, or as... Our hymnal writes it, all earth is waiting, though I'm hearing that the Lutheran hymnal says all earth is hopeful. Yes. And here's a fun Spanish note. This is one of those places that I think learning another language is super awesome for the way it expands our category. language here go. The same verb in Spanish means to hope and to wait. Um... So yeah, like let that just sink in for a minute. The verb esperar in Espanol uh, is both to wait and to hope, um, which maybe like forces us to rethink what waiting is all about too and to use waiting intentionally and to be hopeful rather than just like sitting. We sort of treat waiting in this culture like it's an inconvenience rather than an opportunity for practicing hope. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the reason that we have different translations is there are two ways of translating the Spanish verb. So, oh, so in your hymnal, in verse one, uh-huh. is the first line "All Earth is hopeful." No, all Earth is waiting. Okay, because yeah, ours is definitely "All Earth is hopeful." The Savior comes at last to see the promised one. Is ours? Wait, oh, ours is just okay. Well, now we've run into another challenge. <laughs> Truth in advertising. Anytime you're dealing with a translation, uh, mm-hmm. and especially trying to translate something into rhymed poetry, the translator has to do some butchering. And sometimes it's, do I sacrifice the original line to make a rhyme? Do I sacrifice a rhyme in order to keep the continuity? Um, mm-hmm. And there's the challenge. And I'm curious if we have different translators, and that might be some of our... Yes, ours was translated by Madeline Marshall. And ours was Gertrude C. Soup. So that's where that's coming yep, from. Yep. So, um, but what I've what I'm realizing now that we you know that we've been talking about these for a couple of weeks, we all, um, unbeknownst to each other, chose hymns that riff on Isaiah 40. How about that? <laughs> Go us. <laughs> go us. It's like and we planned it. And go Isaiah, right? We should at least <laughs> yeah. give partial credit to Isaiah. And all seem to riff on the same chunk of Isaiah 40, those first few verses, because this this song, um, and I'm going to I'm going to use the Methodist hymnal translation of it. Sorry to my Lutheran colleagues here, but this is what I know. Um, it begins, "All earth is waiting to see the promised one," um, but in, in verse two, it Rift on another part of Isaiah, rift on Isaiah seven fourteen with the the promise of the virgin birth. But then we get back to Isaiah forty and verses three and four, where we're talking about the mountains and the valleys being made plain, um, and um, open highways for our Lord. You know all those things that we talked about in the last episode mm-hmm. with with John the Baptist and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, now verse four though takes this and almost makes it a Christmas hymn. 
Mm-hmm. Almost makes it a Christmas hymn because it talks about in a lowly stable the promised one appeared, yet fear, feel his presence throughout the earth today, for he lives in all Christians and is with us now again with his coming. He brings us liberty. So, I mean, it, it's kind of, we're starting to push that little bit of like, mm, the first three verses are all Advent and that's good. And then that fourth verse sneaks in there like, oh yeah, Christmas is coming. And the interesting, because in the current Lutheran hymnal that we're drawn from, our fourth verse is very different, right? It, it's my favorite verse yeah, of yeah, this yeah. hymn. It's the okay. only hymn I know that uses the word protocol. <laughs> okay, I want to hear your protocol. fourth verse. I don't see the word protocol in uh, there. It's in the verse that goes, um, new highways open, new protocols declared. It's verse three. Oh, oh all right. Well, I was going to go with the fourth okay, verse. Okay, go with the fourth right. verse. I will first read the third verse, though, because apparently it says protocol. This is protocols. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> a verse of the word protocol. Mountains and valleys will have to be prepared. New highways opened. New protocol protocols declared. Almost here, God is nearing in beauty and grace. All clear every gateway in haste. Come out in haste. So that's verse three. Verse four, which is my favorite okay. verse of this hymn, is we first saw Jesus, a baby in a crib. The same Lord Jesus today has come to live in our world. He is present in neighbors we see. Our Jesus is with us and ever sets us free. Hmm. Yeah, completely different, completely, right? They're, they're two completely, same tune, but completely different text almost. Yeah. yeah. Here, so. Like in, in different meaning too right mm-hmm. like it's not yeah, like it's our, just it's not like hopeful in waiting where it's like oh yeah i see how that's the same but like no verse four is both about jesus and very christmasy not advent at all mm-hmm. christmas but it's very different yeah. yeah yeah and what i like about my verse four is the, the liberty aspect because i i know especially um with cultures that aren't white you know with um both in the black culture and Hispanic, you know, people of color, that sense of liberty is something that's so strong, um, liberation theology mm-hmm. and things like that. And so to have that pulled in here, um, yeah. sometimes it might make um, my folks a little uncomfortable. Um, but that's okay, because Christianity isn't supposed to be comfortable. Right. And, well, and we have that a little bit with the sets us free. I, I really like the bit about he is present in neighbors we see. Mm-hmm. Or Jesus mm-hmm. is with us. Like it's it it reminds me a lot of uh, Mother Teresa, and you know seeing seeing Christ in others as she serves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's interesting though. Like the slight nuance you get, the difference between setting us free versus the idea of liberation. Mm-hmm. There's there's just different nuance to each of those words, mm-hmm. and like it is easier. Like just at least as those words hit me, I tend to hear free and like in that like you can't tell me what to do i'm free to you know i can buy whatever i want drink whatever yeah. i want like that kind of thing and liberation has this deeper sense that fi- feels more like you know being set free from slavery or pre- mm-hmm. something yeah. bigger than so, just like i can buy whatever color shoes i want and that, that and there's something yeah it's that freedom from that oppression again mm-hmm. that, that goes back to isaiah right. and it goes back to the prophets in the exile and how yes you're going to be in exile for a certain period of time but eventually you will come back and god mm-hmm. will free you from this oppression mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um but i like your line about christians you know in the neighbors where mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. christians everywhere in mind um so wow i i, <laughs> I wasn't sure that this hymn would be in your hymnals at all so i'm really excited to, to it is and it's very different apparently <laughs> <laughs> it's very different so someday i'll have to try to sing it um with the lutheran version, a Lutheran translation of it, just to kind of get a better sense. Yeah. 
It's interesting. I know you, you introduced this as for you a hymn that, that is not as well known or not many people like, but it's, it's funny, in um, at least one of the congregations I serve, I've been in conversations with people who when that hymn is mentioned go, oh, I love that hymn. And it's funny because I, I don't know that I would have mm-hmm. expected it. Um, but yeah, there's, oh yeah, I love it. And like you just hum a little bit of the melody and they go, oh yeah, I really like that one. They might not remember what the words are, which words they like. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's funny how yeah. things that at first seem new and scary, like, yeah, can quickly become favorites that way. Yeah, I don't think there, I've been in a church, um, from my home church forward, that has actually known this tune until I've introduced it to them. Interesting. Interesting. So, um, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to think back of how I first came across it, because mm-hmm. again, it's not something that's terribly familiar with us. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other... My other one of my other favorite Advent hymns. Um, Sarah stole one last week with "O Come, O Come, Emmanuel." Hymn um, <laughs> stealer, but it is one that most people don't consider to be an Advent hymn at all. In fact, in our hymnal, um, we have different categories at the top of the pages. You know, of types of hymns. Like so, when in the church you're supposed to sing. Yeah, it, right? yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we have like you know the promise. Total Terra comes under promise coming. You know, obviously it's an Advent hymn. The next one I want to talk about though falls under birth and baptism and actually t- falls towards the edge uh, in the end of that category and it's a it's a well-known one almost as well known as probably as well known as silent night and and uh hark the herald angel sing and, and like silent night it's celebrating i think it's 200th year this year silent night was last year um it's joy to the world mm-hmm. and in and I've been holding off on saying that because I'm sure a lot of you are thinking, wait a second, no, 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 that, that, that's a Christmas hymn. You know, joy to the Lord, the Lord is coming. This is all about the birth of Jesus. But it's not. Mm-hmm. It's really a second coming hymn. It's a second coming hymn. And Isaac Watts wrote it as a second coming. He did not write it to, to talk about the first coming of Jesus. He wrote it as talking about the second coming of Jesus. And for those of us in the non or lesser liturgical traditions. Mm-hmm. We're not, not completely non-liturgical, but we're lesser liturgical. Sometimes we forget that Advent is not just a time, it's not just pre-Christmas. Right, right, right. But it's a time to look to the second coming of Jesus as much as we look to the first coming mm-hmm. of Jesus. And mm-hmm. that's truly what this song is all about. And if if you go back and you read the lyrics, you can see, again, it, it's... Yeah, when you really think about it, it is yeah. about the second coming Especially of Jesus. Especially the last verse, it sort of like, you know, turns it up to 11. He yeah, rules the world, world with truth and grace. Yeah. And so there's this image of the sort of the, the, the final victory and God's final reign over all creation. But yeah, if you were used to hearing this as, oh, this is about the baby in the manger. Well, it's it's not not about that, but it's, yeah, much more about this this promise of, of the, the coming in glory, huh? Mm-hmm. And in memory serves, this is also um, sort of uh, a, a riff on or a... Uh, rethinking of Psalm 98, um, which has the imagery of like all of creation being a part of praising God. So the trees are clapping mm-hmm. their hands and the floods and the fields, like all the, all the things that show up in the verses, uh, the you know, floods, uh, and the, the rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy, mm-hmm. comes right out of Psalm 98. Uh, let the sea roar and all that fills it in the world and those who live in, let the floods clap their hands and the hills sing together for joy. So it's creation being a part of praising mm-hmm. God. And in my Bible, it has like the little um, subtitle, I guess, for Psalm 98. Mm-hmm. It says, Praise the Judge of the World. Right, right, right. Which really, I mean, if you think about that, that is a second coming kind image, of sure. mm-hmm. imagery there. Mm-hmm. And so I just, 
um, last year I did a series with my folks at the church and we looked at hymns, um, various hymns, not all Advent hymns, um, throughout the season of Advent and into Christmas. And we looked at this one and, I, you know, I, I had to give them the spoiler alert that this is not a Christmas hymn. Mm-hmm. This is an Advent hymn. Um, and so that's what something I like about this one is just, you know, it can be sung in either season. Um, honestly, it can be sung any time of the year. Mm-hmm. Sure, to sure, be, sure. To be quite honest. These it, are imaginary distinctions we've invented. But. I know, but I mean, like, you know, you, you don't think of singing joy to the world in the middle of summer. Mm-hmm. But because it's about the second coming of Christ, mm-hmm. it really can be one of those hymns that can be sung at any point in sure. the church here. Sure, sure, sure. Um, we're away in the manger, a silent night, mm-hmm. and oh, mm-hmm. come all ye faithful, we're definitely more... Yeah, they sound a little bit funny in the middle of summer. Yeah. <laughs> Although, uh, a side note, um, I was not expecting when I began public ministry to have Go Tell It on the Mountain chosen for funerals, but there have been at least three funerals in the years that I have served as a pastor where the family has chosen Go Tell It on the Mountain, a, a Christmas carol uh, in the style of an old spiritual as a, as a song for funeral. And now I can't help but hear that tinged with funeral uh, background when I sing it too. That is my favorite hymn of all time. Is that right? Yep. Wow, how cool to know. Nice. To me, Christmas Eve isn't Christmas Eve unless that is the last song hit, sung as you are leaving the church. Nice. Which is a shame because that is definitely not the tradition of any <laughs> of the churches that I have ever served. Joy to the World and Silent Night. Silent Night is the last <laughs> song sung, which I always think is such a shame because it's such like a calm, peaceful him right. whereas i think we should be going out with bells and whistles going to go tell it on top of the mountain and what better place to do that when we live in the mountains <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh well it, it's interesting um the, uh the, the the psalm that joy to the world is drawn from psalm 98 actually begins with the imagery of god doing a new thing it's our sing to the lord mm-hmm. a new song god's got marvelous things and it's about what, how do you deal with when god keeps doing new things and so we have to keep writing new songs and how ironic is it that we fall in this pattern of here's a song about god doing a new thing tradition demands we must always use it <laughs> this particular way uh-huh. um and maybe maybe that's the, the the danger anytime there's a really well written song that people love is it becomes a classic and you keep doing mm-hmm. it over and over in the same spot. But the scriptures themselves kind of push against don't fall into that rut. God keeps doing new things. I remember there's a, there's a, a quote I I think I heard it attributed to Gary Puckett like of the Union Gap Gary Puckett. Uh, but the quote goes the four most dangerous words in all of scripture are sing a new song. Um, and I like that because there's some, there's some part of us that is a little bit afraid of. Um, daring to sing a new song, not just because mm-hmm. we're afraid of learning new melodies, especially we church folk who, nope, we only have to, we must sing the version we heard once upon a time before. But the idea that um, that that God keeps acting in history and that that means we have to keep finding new ways to sing and praise what God is up to, that's kind of scary for us or makes us anxious because it means recognizing God's still alive and at work in the world. And it is so much more tempting to treat like the Christian faith. Nope, we just we sort of repeat every year. We open the can of God's greatest hits and we sing these things again because God is done acting in the world and all we do is tell stories about what God used to do. 
Um, and the Psalms themselves sort of warn us against that. Don't do that. God keeps acting in the world. You're going to have to keep writing new songs. There's going to have to be new, new praise because there's new things that God is doing in the world. It, that's scary, especially in traditions that are like, but we have to have a Bible verse for, for backing up why we write this or why we say this. And to say that God keeps moving in the world means that God's going to do things beyond our imagination sometimes. And it's looking at the psalm and looking how it's creation singing praise. It's not necessarily mm-hmm. people. It, it's the actual creation reminds me of, um, and I forget which gospel it is, so you're, you're all going to have to help me out. But when Jesus um, kind of yells at the people, I think it's during Holy Week, you know, um, the people are trying to tell his disciples, oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh, right, right, right. And, and he's like, you know what? Even when they're silent, the earth is going to cry out. Right, the rocks will cry out if I tell yeah. the people. Right, it's all, and, all and so even when we stop singing new songs of what mm-hmm. God is doing, with every new day, the earth cries out again. God is still up to something. God is still mm-hmm. doing something new. Mm-hmm. You know, look, there's you know the sunrise. There is a new day. God has made something new today. Even when we as Christians don't see it or don't want to acknowledge it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it that reminds me of the language of Psalm 19 that starts with the heavens are telling the glory mm-hmm. of God and each yeah. day uh, pours forth speech. Mm-hmm. It reminds me too, there's a, a quote I heard of uh, Nikos Kazantikas who wrote um, Last Temptation of Christ, but the, the quote goes something like, I said to the almond tree, speak to me of God, and the almond tree blossomed. I like the idea that like the, mm-hmm. the way that, that all of creation has this ability to reflect forth God's glory, and it does it by doing exactly what it's made to be. So that, like it's not like the almond tree has to like go down like and go to church somewhere or light a candle or pray a prayer. The way the almond tree mm-hmm. reflects the glory of God is doing what almonds tree do trees do, and that's the blossom. Um, and that all of creation is like that too. Um, that reminds me too of there's this uh, line of um, it might be Irenaeus, um, the second century church father, who said, uh, the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The mm-hmm. idea, like, that, mm-hmm. that human beings, too, are capable of bearing the, and that you want to see what God's glory is like, humans being what humans are meant to be, there's what God's glory is like. Um, that, that it's possible for all of creation, including us and our humanness, to, to reflect the, the character and the praise of God, and that all of creation is about that. And how interesting, this, this kind of just popped in my head, so this might be a slightly half-formed thought, but go with me for a second. That's all we ever do. <laughs> um, verse 2. Joy to the world, the Savior reigns. Let all their songs employ. While fields and floods, rocks, hills and plains repeat the sounding joy. To think of us singing this, whether we sing it in Advent, as, because it's a true Advent tune, or we, we sing it at Christmas, in the dead of winter, mm-hmm. to think about these, these places, you know, the rocks and the hills, I mean, that's not blooming, that's not, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it's not spring, but to, to think that underneath the snow that we usually have around Christmas time, at least I, I like it that way, <laughs> um, you know, the earth still, again, continues to sing. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's just really powerful to me that, you know, because we often look at winter as like the dead season and, and things, you know, or in hibernation and but that reminder that even underneath the snow and what's seemingly the deadness, again, that new creation, that new thing that God is doing springs around the corner, um, you know, comes out in, in this, you know, wants to pick that out from the psalm and put it into this hymn. Mm-hmm. 
The other thing I think that I don't know that I've really thought about until now, when you called attention to the the way this psalm is often titled or given a heading in the Bible about God as the judge of the world, is that the, the last verse of Psalm 98 that this, this hymn is drawn from has, uh, the, when God is coming to judge the earth, he will judge the earth with righteousness and the peoples with equity. And the whole fourth verse of this hymn, mm-hmm. he, he rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness. Um... It, it, it's interesting to me that, like, coming out of a context in ancient Israel and Judah that had lived through what it was like to have some decent and some terrible kings, and for that matter, to have lived through, like, what happens when there's turmoil, when there's a bloody violent coup and somebody else takes power, um, and how much of human history has lived through unjust rulers or crooked leadership to say part of what we're aching for is finally things to be put right and for crookedness to put to be put to an end. Like that that's a recurring image you get from even the Isaiah forty mm-hmm. passage we've kept yep. coming back to about God making the things that are crooked straight again and leveling mm-hmm. things. Um, that part of that is this a part of what we're hoping for isn't just it'll be <clears throat> warm and sentimental and we'll all be around the fireplace celebrating Christmas. But part of our hope is for a creation where things are rightly ruled, rightly ordered, and where justice is finally done, um, and where equity is finally mm-hmm. practiced. Um, again, that, that's, that's something we don't necessarily think of as a Christmassy sort of a sentiment, um, but how much ancient Israel ached for finally someone who would reign and govern them with justice and not just self-interest. Um, and how, like, at the beginning of... Israel having kings, the warning is, once you get a king, they're going to start looking out for themselves. They aren't going to practice justice. They're going to look out for their own interests. And how much of Israel's hope, when it thinks about what it's like to have uh, a king or leaders, and then thinks about God, who's supposed to be their ultimate leader, that their hope is finally, couldn't there be someone who does justice mm-hmm. instead of all this self-serving? Um, and it, like that ache is something that's worth recovering, too, so that when we sing about God ruling the world, it's, it's also sort of a slap in the face to all the Caesars and, and Nebuchadnezzars of history, saying that, you know, they think they get the last word, but no, we're, we're waiting for this king who rules the world in justice. And while the birth of Christ breaks that, you know, that inbreaking mm-hmm, mm-hmm. of that fullness... Again, it's not until he he will come again someday right. in the future that we get the fullness of that. And that's, again, I don't think this is a bad song to sing, at, you know, after Christmas. Right, right, right. But, you know, just a reminder that, you know, there's more to Christmas than, again, just the babe in the manger. Right, right, That's right. just the inbreaking of this new kingdom that's going to bring about all these things that Watts, Watts has used and, and picked up from Psalm 98 and is going to make it a reality at some point in the future. Mm-hmm. And I think the the thing that I really love about this as a season, like as you mentioned, that, that holds the tension between Christ coming again and the, the Bethlehem coming of Jesus, is that our lives are lived sort of suspended on a string between those two. And that, that means there's going to be days when... Um, we say, yep, it's not, things aren't the way they are going to be. You just have to keep, you know, keep keep grinding on and eventually we'll get there. And there's some days where we are really called to live sort of radically different because of that promised future. Um, and that's part of what gives us hope that there's this future that is coming. Um, and it's not sort of escapist hope of like, well, one day I'll have to deal with this, but in the meantime, do whatever you want. But like, you know, because of where God is aiming all creation, I want to be on board with what God's up to right now. And it's not escapist theology, you know, where like, um, some people look at the book of Revelation, you know, well, all the earth is going to be, you know, burned away and then we're going to get this new earth. I mean, this is, no, the same creation that God created in the beginning mm-hmm. is going to be with us. Right. Renewed, but yeah. It, it's going to be renewed, but I mean, it, it's, you know, we can't yeah. just say to heck with it, you know, and do whatever we want with with creation. Right. We right. have to care for it so that we can have that renewed earth. Right. Um, so. There's a, there's a, um, 
an insight of our older brother in the faith, Martin Luther's, that comes to mind in the um, in the catechism. He talks about when we pray um, for God's kingdom to come. You know, your kingdom come, your will be done. Luther is quick to say things like, you know what, God's kingdom is going to come whether we pray for it or not. It's not. God's not sitting up in heaven going, I need five more people to pray or else the kingdom won't come. So eventually, yeah, God will get what God wants done. Luther says. The question is whether God has to work in spite of us or whether God will, whether, yeah, will work with us or whether we're willing to be part of what God's up to. And I think in a lot of ways that's what this whole Advent thing is about. That, you know, in the end, God, God's going to get what God wants. God's going to reign and, and make all things new. In the meantime, I can either um, work opposed to God and sort of miss out on what God's up to in the world or I can be on the same wavelength. And there's hope in that even when I blow it, that does not stop God, but I have the ability of being a part of what God's up to in the world. And I, if I had to pick, I guess I'd rather be a part of what God's up to in the world. It's going to work out better for you in the end. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> probably so. I keep thinking of, um, there was this day when my kids were especially little and it had snowed in our driveway. And um, I started shoveling the driveway. And my kids were both like, I want to help you, Daddy. And so they did not quite understand the goal. And they were taking snow from the grass and putting it onto the driveway. And I was like, well, eventually I will still outpace you. I'm a grown-up. Theoretically, I will still get the whole thing cleared. But, man, you're making it harder. Would you actually like to help me? Here's how you can actually be a helpful part of this project. And in some sense, I feel like that's us every day. It's like, God... I know you were smarter and wiser and more powerful than I, and that even if I'm completely working at opposite uh, you know, ends toward you, you can accomplish what you want to accomplish. But I don't want to be dumping snow where you want things cleared. Help me, help me get my head on straight to know where I can be clearing snow away instead of making it worse. So, um, we've now made it through several weeks in Advent, and we'll be joining you next time around for what will be our Christmas Eve episode. I'm sure wherever you are, you're definitely going to want to make sure to tune in to Christmas Eve uh, Crazy Faith Talk. So join us for uh, that conversation next time here on Crazy Faith Talk. See you. Bye.